Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello! And welcome to It's All Kicking Off, another football roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, Ewan Patterson, and Adam Cleary from What Culture Football, here to discuss another burning football issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Football on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from for daily football podcasts. But as I said, I'm joined by Ewan and Adam. England are in qualifying action this weekend at Euro 2020. Uh. But Adam Cleary... How good are England really? They're good. They're a better side than they were a couple of years ago. Uh, they're not quite as good a side as the World Cup made them look. I mean, don't be wrong, not to, not to crap all over the achievements of getting to a semi-final. Bad teams don't get to a World Cup semi-final. However, there was two halves of that World Cup, which was side A, which was the World Cup, and there was side B, which was like this weird like shield tournament that like, <laughs> like Croatia, England, Sweden teams were competing for. I don't think any of the teams that were in that half of the draw would have got as far as they did had they been in the mm-hmm. other side. But England are a way better they're a way better team for not being as good a team. Because historically when England have got good teams, mm. they're just full of like really limited footballers who get massively over overegged for their like achievements at club level and can't quite translate it at national level. Whereas now they do appear to have a more cohesive side, smarter footballers, they play a more modern game than they historically have. Uh, they're good. They're good. But they just they haven't really beaten anyone yet. Yeah, I was going to say that, that as much as we had all the excitement and buzz around England uh, last summer, do you think sort of Nations League, as a random a tournament as that was, that sort of tempered expectations? First of all, the Nations League should not exist. Oh, the Nations League's brilliant. Bad. I'm that. It's no. good fun. Oh, bad. Anyway, uh, good fun. one thing I will say about England is that they are playing with an identity now. Yes, which is, which is, you can't say that which easy. Is, you know, that's a thing that Gareth Southgate has to be applauded for. You know, really, he's he's gone into that side and basically crafted it into an actual England side. Mm. You look at the, the past national teams, like you said, they're just a lot of individual talents, but never a cohesive one. Whereas I look at that England squad and I see, you know, there's, there's genuine unity there. There's genuine talent and potential as well. I guess the big question mark hanging over them right now is that, you know, even though we th- there was that... That, you know, Southgate's been in the role for the past few years and obviously had an entire World Cup tournament. Um, there are certain elements of that squad that are going to be changed as we're going forward. Like, I think it's highly doubtful that even though Jesse Lingard's achievements at international level are modest, uh, I highly doubt he's going to be around. He's had a, he's had a poor season, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, he's another one of these players. I used to look at uh, Tom Cleverley was a great example of this. Players can go into their national sides and play a very important role, which they look completely incapable of doing at club level, and indeed are incapable of doing at club level. But 
you, it's very important to sort of separate how they play week in, week out versus the job they can do for a national side. Mm. Cleverly, I always thought was a great example of this. Thought he was great when he played for England, but never really did anything at club level. Well, Andros Townsend as well. As Andros Townsend as well was great when he played for England. Very, very fits and start at club level. Um, I think Jesse Lindengard's probably going to get a few more call-ups because he's, he hasn't let England down, as would say. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's never, ever underperformed. Uh, in a white shirt as opposed to a red. He has been dreadful for Man United the, probably the last 18 months, to be honest. He didn't really do much. Didn't really, he sort of slipped under the radar for me. Yeah. The last goal he got was against yeah. Liverpool in the, that, the derby that before Mourinho. The guy Millie sense. rocked at the Emirates against Arsenal, which I think yeah. gets him call-ups for the rest of his career, in my opinion. But you, get, but you say like England have got an identity. The mm. club-level form shouldn't really affect that too much. If, mm. you, if you are part of that identity and you're going to mm. play that system and you can be relied upon to play that system... If you're out of sorts at club level, it shouldn't impact it too much. Although obviously, you know, if you're not playing, if you're not getting picked, Danny Welbeck's starting now, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Welbeck was another good good example of that. Like again, he never disappointed when he played for England, but just I think probably now with his age and how far removed from regular football he is, probably too much to ask him to. Aside from infamously Euro 2008, England don't really struggle with qualifiers and. Looking at the group that we've got, I think it's fair to say Czech Republic were one of the fav- one of the other threats in that group, yeah. and we beat them five nil. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've obviously got Bulgaria and Kosovo coming in the next few days. If we not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but if we say that England make it to Euro twenty 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 even um, do they have to be considered one of the favourites? Uh, I think Pew- well they got to the semi finals. They were forty five minutes away from going to the World Cup final. You know what I mean? So you do have to consider them a strong team in that regard. But if you look at like the talent France have got, the sort of levels they're playing at, it's, it would be another, it would be another tournament of them playing well above themselves, which they are capable of doing. I might add, mm-hmm. for them to get far in that tournament, you've got to remember the Euros are easier than the World yeah. Cup because there's no South American teams, there's no African teams, there's no Asian teams. You know, it's it's just the best of the teams in Europe, and England are probably one of the better sides in Europe. I looked at the FIFA rankings before we came in here. They're relevant. Belgium are, of course, ahead of France. Yep. Uh, Belgium, the the England of modern football. Now, Bel- Belgium are exactly <laughs> the England of modern football. Loads <laughs> of individuals. On individ- paper, that squad's yeah, the best yeah. in the world. Oh, every, every tournament comes around and some... It, you know them. You've got friends who yeah. do it. Somebody goes, do you know what? Belgium are my dark horses. And you go, why are they dark, dark horses? horses? <laughs> oh, well, Belgium never won anything. Yeah, but they've literally got the best squad at that tournament. One of the best why goalkeepers. Are do- why are they dark yeah. horses? Three of the best goalkeepers. Yeah, yeah three of the three best, of the best goalkeepers. goalkeepers. Probably, maybe it's not so much now, um, you know, the, Vertonghen's age is sort of caught up with them a bit. Company's not looking what it used to be. They're maybe they're maybe a bit light at the back compared to how they used to be. But you know the front end of the pitch, they've got some of the best players in the world. It's just people consider them dark horses because they always underdeliver tournaments because mm. they do not have, as you say, you and, and club identity. Mm-hmm. In terms of yeah, looking at teams for Euro twenty twenty, then obviously yes, France, Belgium. Germany and Spain are a big, are a big question mark. Uh, of course, England fans cannot ever question VAR because it knocked Germany out of the World Cup. Um, I'd, I'd be thinking quarterfinal, semi-finals for the Euros would be a bare minimum. Yes, I, I think you're, you're correct there. Like I said, you know, and it comes back to the idea of the, the project. You know, Southgate has been in and around you know the England side for a good few years now. Whereas you look at both. Um, well, Spain in particular, look at that as being a massively um, hectic phase for them for the past few years. Spain you know, and Germany were all over the place at the last World Cup. Yeah, I mean, they've gone through uh, several managers now. I think Valverde just um, mm. just left as well. 
Um, so I'm not completely gotten. It was, it was Ernesto Valverde, wasn't it? I'm getting completely confused. We had Lepetegu, you just Lepetegu. got fired just before. Yeah. That was Hierro It was, was the Barca was manager. really bizarre. I'm, compl- I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And um, yes, they're in a, a, a weird phase at the moment. Germany as well. So much talent in that squad. Germany, I think, you know, when we look, we, we talk, we hype up, you know, England's youngsters or whatever. Germany have the most exciting young talent, I think, currently. The moment you have the likes of Kai Havertz, you have. Um, Sane, Sane, yeah. in particular, as well. they didn't take Sane. Um, yeah, Julian Brandt as well. They have great players for that side, but I guess you know it's all about making it work. And I think England, even though they may not necessarily have as strong a squad as um, maybe you know Belgium or, or Spain or whatever, um, I think that the fact that Southgate has been in, around probably indicates that they people should be expecting things from them. You were mentioned key players for Germany and Spain. Mm. Who are England? Whichever centre-back establishes himself as the only good one over the next couple of years. John Stone seems to have fallen completely off the radar at Man City. There's talk that Fernandinho is going to come in the side for Laporte instead of Stones, which is wow. almost inconceivable 12 months ago. Um, Harry Maguire, I, while he is extremely high banter and should have probably been on the £50 note, <laughs> is not particularly a, a, like a line-leading centre-back. I, I do think... There is a stability issue. They're going to be incredibly exciting to watch. I think they've got about five or six players who could mm-hmm. get into the three spots at the start, mm-hmm. at the top end of the pitch. But I think they really, really do struggle at the back. It's by weird, yeah, because like the, the the players that I want, well, not that I'm particularly motivated to care about England at all, but I think if on that <laughs> on paper that squad, I think at the back you're looking at Ben Chilwell at left back, and you're looking at Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back. I think that's probably how you'd want to be playing that system. I know people will probably disagree and say you know Carl Walker or Kieran Trippier or whatever, but I think in terms of building the future of that team at the same time, I think. Both players have proved themselves to be good enough, established in that position. That would, I would imagine, uh, bringing the right back position, mm. I would imagine they're probably going to go with Wan Bissaka because Liverpool, the way Liverpool get the most out of Alexander Arnold, he's probably the, one of the most creative players in that position. They really focus on the fullbacks, whereas we saw at the World Cup, you know, the, you know, that Kieran Trippier there was purely there for set pieces. The attacking spine of that side doesn't come. From the fullbacks. The intriguing thing we saw with this, this it's interesting. We've got options there. Yeah, absolutely. What we've seen with with England, this England side, specifically with with Gareth Southgate, is he almost he doesn't wait till players have a drop off. He almost re- refreshes it. Yeah, it's a continuous refreshment. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, Jaden Sancho. Mm-hmm. You know, people are given opportunities, and I, I think it's. It's, a, it's what's been crying out for in England for a long, long time. I think him and Madison are really Madison exciting. Like Madison, I think Madison needs to, you know, he's so creative. I think you, know, you think of like England at the last World Cup, who would you say was the most creative player? Well, the whole like, the whole problem England had at the last World Cup was the one player that really didn't do it on the pitch was mm. Deli Ali. Mm. The way they built the system, that that position is incredibly important. Mm. Deli Ali, and we've said this pretty much every time we do a podcast when his name comes up, he is clearly still one of the most talented young players in the world. But for the last season, season and a half, he just, for whatever reason, hasn't quite found the level he was at when he first burst onto the scene. There's no reason he won't do that in the future. Mm-hmm. It would literally just take a few games to get him back at that mm-hmm. kind of level, but he hasn't quite done it mm-hmm. yet. And if you look at how exactly say how creative Madison is, it's glaring, glaringly simple decision to put him in that position and allow him to create. Mm. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, we looked at the squad, obviously, when it was announced, uh, and the, the, the headlines were Wan Bissaka, mm. uh, Tyrone Mings, Madison Mount. Do you think, uh, looking ahead to these, this Bulgaria and possibly in, even more so with the Kosovo game, that he will give the opportunity to those players because, you know, the classic England thing is we pick all these players and people go, wow, this, you know, surprising squad player has been selected for England and mm-hmm. they spend a week sat on a bench for England yeah. and they go, well, that was nice, wasn't it? But whereas whereas with Southgate, it seems like if you're getting picked, mm-hmm. you're going to be playing. It's tricky at national level because people always want to see people given an opportunity. So you've got your Mason Mounts, your Tyrone Mings, whoever comes into the side. Yeah, throw them in, throw them in. But you've got to remember, like, the difference between international and club football is there are so few actual games mm-hmm. to bond mm-hmm. a unified side. And it's almost worth the argument that if you know what your settled 11 is for an upcoming tournament play them against Bulgaria and Kosovo because that is 90 minutes they get together. And even even though we will have friendlies in between the qualifiers mm. and the tournament, they and even though you may have a friendly against a harder side, at the end of the day, it's still a friendly, whereas this is a competitive game. fixture. You remember, you again mentioned this whole identity this England side have. This is sort of, this has been through the under-20 levels, the under-18 levels, like all the youth levels which saw England win all those tournaments a few years ago. A lot of these players, your Madisons, your Mounts, etc., They've played this system. They've played this way of playing for England at youth level. So it shouldn't be too much a case of throw them in just to see how they are. You should be able to sort of trust them that, you know, the mo- the methods are the same, the system is the same, the kind of players they're going to be playing with are the same. A lot of them will have been together at youth level as well. Like Jaden Sancho has gone all through mm. the different youth levels in England. He's played with all of them. A lot of the, uh, obviously, not Wan-Bissaka because they dragged their heels over calling him up for so very long. Mm-hmm. He played up front, I think for some other country. Yeah, there's some story about Juan Bissaka, like 15 or 16. Even though he was a fullback at club level, he was just the best <laughs> player, so they were playing him up front. I think it was Burkina Faso, I want to say. They were playing him up front at one stage because wow. he was just the best player. Um, I don't think it's... They shouldn't do too much experimentation. Like, if you're going to commit to Madison as being the starting player in that creative role, cool, throw him in. But if Mason Mount, for example, is going to be a fringe player probably on the bench, then you're better off starting him on the mm. bench and bringing him on as and when he's needed because that's the role you mm. have in that side. Um, I always think pitch time for your set of players is more important at national level than giving up opportunities out. Uh, and Adam's mentioned the, the younger players mm-hmm. there. In terms of like talisman for England, you've obviously got Harry Kane. Uh, the, the question mark remains about Raheem Sterling mm-hmm. for England. And I, for one, didn't really get the criticism no. for the most part that he received uh, at the World Cup. It's, you know, it's a different team. It's a different setup. And he still... Can we just call that criticism out for what it was? Yes. yes. It was pure race. It was yeah. just it was purely racist. And if you're even going to take a footballing critique to the, the, the 
any player being selfish at the front end of the pitch. You know, Harry Kane squares that ball. Harry to Kane Sterling. squares that ball in during the World Cup yeah. final. Yeah, you know, it's it's completely it is specifically racist. But yeah, it's interesting. I think um, the question is, do you tailor? You know, we talk about England having an identity. Do you tailor the formation to get the best out of a Sterling or a you know or potentially a Madison mm. or or maybe even if you want to look at the 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 way that Liverpool's fullbacks create, do you want to try and replicate that system at England mm. as well? Those are really interesting questions, and you have to think about well, how do I still want to keep the uh, the three at the back? Because mm. uh, you know, I, th- I think even though that's an interesting way to play, I do think it's it can be limiting sometimes. When mm-hmm. You've you've got to the onus is on you to break a team down. I, I don't think I've got the players to play three at yeah. the back at the minute. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I would be interested in maybe seeing you know a, a traditional four three three or something that that lets you have know, a roaming midfield like Madison to be mm-hmm. the, the the ten. You have the fullbacks creating at the same time. Sterling on the, on the left, Kane down the middle, Sancho on the right. I think that is maybe where you see the best of this team. I know what? I keep bringing up the fact you said mm. thingy identity, but the mm. problem we have with that, and Germany yeah. had this problem at the last World Cup, was mm-hmm. they came up with this brilliant way of players, playing. Yeah. And it won them X amount of tournaments, mm-hmm. and then they, they've kept it so rigid to a point. Yeah. This, is how, this is how we play, we're Germany, how they play. Turned up at another tournament a few years down the line, the game's moved on, and they really struggled as a result. Like Manuel Neuer. Okay. Yeah, oh, the you can't play Manuel Neuer <laughs> in the right wing. The problem is England do have a strong identity at the minute, mm-hmm. but as you say, like if they stick too rigidly to that, and they don't adapt, and they don't get the most out of place, like Raheem Sterling is the best inside forward yeah. In the world right now, the way the way he's been finishing for Man City is so instinctive and so natural. Compared to like that was where the question marks were from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Can't finish. You know what I mean? Good player gets in good positions, but his finishing's a bit poor. You look at the goals he scores for Man City now. He's not even thinking, and mm. he's putting these away. Not to make this a fantasy football podcast, but. I want to put Kevin De Bruyne in my team, but there's no room for him because I'm thing, terrified of taking Sterling out. The thing is, you, you say this, right? I remember a few years ago, specifically going into that World Cup, a lot of pundits were saying, why don't England just play how Spurs play? If they try and re- recreate Spurs' system, yeah. because they've got mm. Danny Rose, they've got Kyle Walker, Kieran Trippier, Deli Ali, Harry Kane, you've got a real core of a side there that's going to get loads and loads out of those players and then you just find the rest of the players that will adapt with it. As Ewan says, Liverpool's got a great system now which Henderson is in, which Alexander-Arnold is in. You could get a lot out of those players. Man City, you could do you could do it that way. You could get a lot out of Raheem Sterling. You've got to find out what is going to get the most out of the most amount of players. I was going to say that there's a potential headache here as well for Southgate in the sense that players are constantly changing positions now. So obviously mm. when we went into the World well, when England went into the World Cup, Henderson was playing the holding role alongside, you know, interchanging with Eric Dyer. Now Henderson has found himself being used as a more advanced midfield mm-hmm. player and the onus is on him to create. Um, Dyer's you, dropped off the radar yeah, do you, entirely. Do you, yeah. do you bring in Rice at this point? Um, you know, there's interesting things. Kind of, I mean, Henderson can do a job at the six, but at the same time, you know, you've got to think about how this complements everyone. One thing I wanted to ask was, uh, one of the, not to hark on about the World Cup, but I mean, it's the most obvious thing we can go from. Once Harry Kane, depending on your perspective, either got found out or got slightly injured and carried a bit of an injury throughout the tournament, it struck me that England didn't necessarily have that much of a plan B. Do we need more of that? An alternative of, like you no, say, it's, it's, switching to, to a pacier attack with Matt, uh, not with Matt, with Sancho and Sterling? Or? It's, it's in national football. It's always very easy to say, oh, your side needs more goal through. Yeah. But you're literally limited by the players you've got and how they're playing at the time. Harry Kane remains still probably the best out and out centre forward in the world at the moment. Like, yes, he's had a bit of a rough time. Yes, when he uh, stopped scoring at the World Cup, things didn't look particularly rosy. But. At the, he is the player at the top end of the pitch who you expect to deliver the most amount of goals. And the bottom line is, if there is a system that suits him above anybody else, you should probably that should be the one you try and accommodate. Um, the way he plays at Spurs, 
at the minute. I know a lot of people, there's a lot of talk of him dropping deeper in all this, but there's been a lot of stats during the round off the first four weeks of the Premier League that he's still getting the most touches in the opposition box of any centre-forward or the second or third or something like that. So he's clearly still a threat at that end of the pitch. It's just... It's, it's, it goes back to this identity thing. Like, if Harry Kane is England's identity, then you might have to drop some very good players to accommodate that. But if he's not, then mm. who do you put in that position? I mean, you, you raised that point. There was an instance, I remember before um, the World Cup, I think it was the qualifiers, when uh, the Southgate experiment with having um, Drinkwater and Vardy playing, mm. and then you have Drinkwater pumping long balls for Vardy to go in <laughs> behind. And that that wasn't particularly, you know, too successful. So I, 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 it's, it's, it's always good to have an alternative plan. But usually if your first plan is so good mm-hmm. in the first place, which it should be, um, then and you just, should have to resort to And just it. having this place that can come off the bench but to I, continue. Again, I, I would reiterate, you know, the three at the back, while, you know, industrious at World Cup, I, I could think clearly made a very salient point there. I don't there, think there's three that, good that England doesn't have no. three good centre-backs to play that system anymore. Not certainly not. you got to remember, one of them was Kyle Walker, mm. who was not in this squad for this upcoming yeah. games mm-hmm. because the, the strength of at right-back now especially is just... It's it's no it's no slight on him. He's still a fantastic player and will have a fantastic season for Man City. But if you if you're constantly trying to build towards the future and you've got Aaron Rambasaka, you've got Trent Alexander Arnold, Kieran Trippier exists in some capacity, <laughs> then you know, he, he is the fourth choice right back now. Mm-hmm. Arguably the most important person for England out of everyone is Gareth Southgate. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, we wouldn't be playing and doing the things that we do without his mentality and his confidence in his own ability. What does the future hold for, for Gareth Southgate? I think it's his last tournament. You think so? Unless he wins it, I'd say it's his last tournament. Not because the sword of Demetri should be hanging over him, but because international managers tend not to last that long in the job anyway. Where do you think he'll go? He, him? Mm. Oh, I don't know. Match of the day, probably. But <laughs> Here we go. Solskjaer leaves <laughs> Man United and they get Southgate in. I'd, look, it, it is, it's the banter era of the yeah. Premier League. I quite, I'd quite happily watch that. Yeah. There was talk Newcastle were looking to Phil Neville. There was talk of after the Women's World Cup, so I don't see any reason why Southgate can't go to Man United. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I... <sighs> If he leaves, I think that would be a shame for England. Um, I think, you know, while it's always a good idea... Ruins to, my Christmas yeah, jumper as yeah, well. No, like, I think it's a good idea to, you know, keep things fresh and stuff. It's, he's done nothing to really justify... The thing is, coming getting to the semi-final of a World Cup, yes. effectively being the most successful England manager since Bobby Robson mm-hmm. is... It's a huge achievement. He deserves all the praise in the world for that mm-hmm. because for all people said it was a slightly easier run than mm-hmm. a lot of sides got. I've seen England managers have easy runs mm-hmm. and not do anything with it. Like Fabio Capello had an easy group at the World Cup. The Sun even said, easy on the front page. And England scraped out of that. He's still got to get those results, but if you look back and say, what was his, in terms of a match, what was his greatest, who, you know, who did he really take the fight to? Who did he, who did he box with at a managerial level? There, there isn't really a big scalp for them. I know mm-hmm. there was a couple of good results in the, in the Nations League, but qualifying, there was no big teams and England avoided all the big teams in the World Cup. The Columbia game was obviously a huge moment for the nation and a huge personal moment for him, but it was Columbia. Huge for all three of us. Yeah, England, God, we were mortal. England were the, England were <laughs> you the, on the chairs, mate? You'd left, hadn't you? You couldn't watch. I could barely watch the penalty shootout. I came back in just in time, but I, he does things to me, penalty shootouts. So. I was of that. I turned to you in and I went, we just we right for Eric Dyer at the penalty. You and you know statistically in a penalty shootout, the most scored penalty is the one that decides the game. <laughs> and you give me one. Is that true? No, I made it up. And then <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Gareth Southgate needs to go to this tournament, and he needs to beat a France, or he needs to beat a Spain, or he needs to beat a Germany at a major tournament, and that really establishes this identity England have and how far they've come and how they can 
win these big games all That's of a sudden. a really, really important thing to bear in mind is that this England side hasn't really been tested. Um, you know, you'd look at... Yeah. like when it has been. And when it has been, you know, the, the, there is a fragility there. So I think you're totally right. You need to have a regularity in the sense that you're coming, against, coming up against top opposition. And, you know, this group doesn't necessarily give us any indication of where England are at. It's only when you actually get and start messing with the big boys, as it were, that you're going to see anything. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really international, like, football is just a very, very unpredictable, chaotic mm-hmm. thing. Yep. It's, such an, it's, it's such an unknown it's a beauty quantity. Of it. It's a beauty yeah, of it. yeah. Um, so, yeah, if Southgate doesn't deliver at Euros, then logically, yes, you would say that's that's that. I just want to clarify, I wouldn't say move him on because he's failed. No. Yes, move him on because you want to keep these things fresh. You yes. want to, the game is going to move on. And you need to bring. And you don't want to see what happens got. with Germany as well when they've kept um, yeah. Kim Lowe for so long. Yeah. So, There's, yeah. There is no, virtually he, no history at national level of top sides hanging on to a manager for a long time and it bringing them any success. Just don't replace. Other than Yogi Lowe. But yeah. again, look how that yeah. ended. And he eats his own bogey. So. Um, plus, don't, re- <laughs> don't replace him with AD Boothroyd either. Um, couple, very couple of quick, quick final questions. Uh, fairly straightforward, not to be too arrogant, but two wins against Bulgaria and Kosovo. It's a bare minimum expectation. Yes, yeah. if England don't do that, then what are the... Quick question. <laughs> if England don't take two wins from that, then obviously not understandably huge questions will be asked about, mm. obviously. Uh, and final question, you know what's coming. Is it coming home? No. Where is home? Mm. I'm saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> Eternal optimist. Uh, let us know your thoughts on England's prospects at Euro 2020 in the comments section below. And don't forget to like, share and subscribe. And you can tweet them to us at what culture FC as well watch there you can follow all three of us you can follow you and at you and ruins things you can follow Adam at Adam Cleary C-L-E-R-Y you can follow me at Adam Wilborn as I said follow us all at what culture FC and make sure you subscribe to what culture football for daily football podcasts this has been it's all kicking off my thanks to you and to Adam thank you for watching and we will see you soon hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.